everyone. Welcome to another episode of Romcom Weekly. My name is Michelle, and today I'm joined by my friend Karen, and we're talking about the movie Sweet Home Alabama. How are you, Karen? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. So the movie was released in September of 2002. It's directed by Andy Tennant. It stars Reese Witherspoon, Patrick Dempsey, and Josh Lucas. The IMDb.com summary is a young woman who's reinvented herself as a New York City socialite must return home to Alabama to obtain a divorce from her husband after seven years of separation. And the rating on IMDb is a 6.2 and it made around $180 million at the box office. All right. So Karen, what would you rate this movie on a scale from one to 10? So I rated this a pretty solid seven. And, but I will say, I think a full point of that is because of Reese Witherspoon. I think she really makes the movie. I read somewhere that Charlize Theron, Theron, I don't know how to pronounce it. Charlize <laughs> was originally cast in the role as Melanie. And then she, you know, had to drop out for another project and no shade to Charlize, but I really don't know that I would have enjoyed it as much if Reese wasn't in it. What did you rate yeah, it? Yeah, I agree. I rated this actually basically the IMDb rating. I gave it a 6.2. I started at like a 6.4 and then I just kind of felt safer and more comfortable with the 6.2. <laughs> but your note about Charlize, totally agree with you. I don't think this movie would have done well with Charlize because I think you know, now in 2020, we've come to know Reese Witherspoon a lot more and a lot better because she's branded herself as the Southern girl. Mm -hmm. So, and Charlize, I know she's, she was born in South Africa. So there's like some disconnect right there if that were to happen. All right. So you gave it a seven. I gave it a 6.2. What did you like about the movie? Okay. I liked a lot of things about this movie. You know, I don't think the story is super thrilling or original but I you know I do think the thought of marrying your childhood sweetheart is really cute um you know there's a lot of southern small town charm and you know it's got Reese Witherspoon it's got McDreamy a few years before he became McDreamy right right um you know and I think it's just got a lot of fun little side characters maybe I just found it so charming because I'm not from the South. And so it was kind of a peek into a life I don't really know anything about. And I can't speak to the accuracy, but I just thought it was a fun, cute movie. What about you? Yeah, I agree with you. Maybe my 6.2 was a little harsh. Um, <laughs> Stick to your guns, Michelle. <laughs> I do think it's because, again, I'm also not from the South and I don't really have any connection to the South. So I did find it very charming, very sweet, for lack of a better word. And the other things I liked about the movie is that I think Reese Witherspoon's character, Melanie, I like that she is a strong woman. I like that she's not a submissive character. She mm -hmm. works hard. Like we see her showing at New York Fashion Week, which is, you know, they don't let anybody do that. So she's climbing up the ladder in her own career. Mm -hmm. And we see her be headstrong. She asks for what she wants. I don't know if that's a trope of a Southern woman. Like, I don't have a lot of interaction with <laughs> Southern women, so there's yeah. that. But yeah, she kind of has this arc in the movie where she becomes self-actualized. She realizes mm -hmm. she's been a terrible person, and she tries to make amends with all the people in her life. Yeah. 
Specifically, there are some progressive moments in the movie, which, you know, this came out 18 years ago. There was a female New York City mayor, which Mm -hmm. that was pretty cool. They, you know, they have a gay character who's played by Ethan Embry, who plays Bobby Ray. I don't know if that was happening a lot in mainstream movies, but I do think that it was very overt in being like, hey, here's this gay character. Let's let's all embrace him. And they made like this whole scene before that, um, the party or the dance. Yeah, that festival. Yeah. Yeah, I really loved that, how they, I think they really played against stereotype there. Because I think, you know, we have this, let me only speak for myself. I have this view of the South as being a more conservative and perhaps especially at that time in 2002, maybe not as accepting of the LGBTQ community. Right. And so to see this scene where they are just so inclusive, so accepting, and they're able to joke, you know, about, I think Jake says, you know, let me buy you a drink. And Bobby Ray says, oh, you're not really my type. You know, right. I, thought, I thought that was really progressive, especially for the time. Because 2002, yeah. I don't think gay marriage was even legal, right? Yeah, I don't think so. So, Yeah. Other few notes are that there's a slight mention of miscarriage, which they don't ever say the word miscarriage. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen this movie in a while, like sat down and properly watched it from beginning to end. So when I was watching it, I was like, wait, how did she lose the baby? Like, And then they allude to the fact that they lost the baby. Mm-hmm. And that's also something that I don't think a lot of movies at the time were, were talking about. And I... I wrote a question here. I was like, the movie tries to be diverse, question mark. It doesn't. I have, yeah, I have something <laughs> in my notes about that too. You, you go first. You go first. Yeah, so Michelle Krushek, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her last name correctly, but she plays a colleague of Melanie. I don't know if she's her assistant or whatever, but her name is Pan. The only mm-hmm. way I found out her name was by going through IMDb because I don't ever, I couldn't hear them referencing her by name, but she's in the movie for like, Two minutes? Three minutes? Yeah. She does mention, she says her name at one point in the movie because I remember having this reaction of like, okay, there's one Asian character and her name is Pan? Right. (laughs) I I don't know. I had a reaction to that. Yeah, same. I mean, because that's pretty, pretty glaring right there. Um, And then her other colleague slash mentor, who I think his character's name is Frederick, the actor's name is Nathan Lee Graham. He's a a black designer and I only, I recognize him because he's in Zoolander, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which came out before this, but yeah, like, so he's the other minority in the movie. So I'm like, okay, it tries, but it doesn't really build a whole lot outside of that. Yeah. And then when they get to Alabama, you know, you're in the deep South, you're in Alabama and yet there's only like three black people in the town, (laughs) you know, and one of them is the maid at the plantation Right. You know, one is the security guard that Melanie accidentally hurt his leg when she sent the cat with the dynamite into the bank. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then one of them is is the postman. I'm I'm sure there were others perhaps in the background, but those are the three notable black characters. And so I just, I kind of felt like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, lacking a little bit in representation. But I'm wondering if I only am thinking that now, you know, Mm -hmm. in light of you know, just being 18 years older and being more aware of of representation and how important that is. And, you know, when I first saw the movie, I was a freshman in high school. So I certainly was not thinking about any of those things. So it didn't even register 
you know, back then, right. but it's definitely something I thought about in this rewatch. Totally. My way of wanting to be more forgiving is like, okay, well, they tried 18 years ago. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not really sure how I fall or how I feel on that, on that yeah. spectrum, but I can appreciate the fact that there are some black people in the movie versus having no black people in the movie. Mm-hmm. And in New York City, it makes sense. There's more, there would be more diverse people in her New York friend group than perhaps her Alabama friend group. True, true. Let's move on to then what you didn't like about the movie. I know we just kind of touched a little bit about the lack of diversity, but are there any other specific things that you didn't like about it? You know, one thing that comes to mind is I really did not like the scene where Melanie outs Bobby Ray in the bar to all their friends. Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of messed up. You know, because they established earlier in the movie that it seems like Melanie is maybe the only one who knows Bobby Ray's secret and has kind of been keeping it all these years and they show that they have this really special friendship. And then the moment she gets drunk and upset, she reveals this very huge thing about himself and coming out is such a big moment and it should be something done by your own choice if you want to. And so that felt very cringeworthy to me. Yes, agree. That scene was a little hard to watch because you know that shit's about to happen. She's just being (laughs) the most terrible person that she could possibly be in that one bar scene. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's pretty bad. There's nothing specific, I mean, other than some other points that we've talked about that I didn't like about the movie, but I felt that I just didn't really emotionally connect with the movie. I just didn't find it that funny either. For a rom-com, I found myself just kind of watching it And maybe my 18 years ago self was more enamored with the movie, but looking at it now, and it doesn't hold a huge amount of nostalgia for me. I kind of was just watching and I'm being like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, Reese is like very, she plays a very plucky, like like just the Southern girl. But other than that, I just didn't emotionally connect, I guess is the bottom line. But yeah, I'm not from the South. I don't have a whole lot of connection to the South, but I could appreciate the the quirky charms and the small town feel. Yeah, I now that you're saying that, I agree that I never really felt super emotionally invested. Mm-hmm. And now I'm rethinking my rating. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we meet in the middle and go to like 6.5 or 6.8. Yeah, we'll, we'll meet somewhere in the middle. But yeah, it never really felt super high stakes to me and I never felt that invested. And there were some funny moments, you know, but never any that I was super cracking up about. And to your point about not being from the South and not really relating, you know, at the same time, The Notebook is set in the South and I love that movie. Right, right. I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I don't know why we both feel that way considering I'm sure that there are other movies where I feel more emotionally connected to the character even though we are worlds apart. Yeah. Once Upon a Time, though, I did love this movie. Like, I had the DVD. Yeah during a time when people did such things. Um, So obviously I liked it enough at some point to actually buy it. You know, a thing Mm -hmm. I haven't done in years and years. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know why it's not lasting for me. Right, same. This is a topic that I usually talk about later, but we can talk about it now. But like, I think the reason this movie has lasted or has has had staying power is just simply Reese Witherspoon, to your point. Mm -hmm. She is now this powerhouse of a woman who's producing her own content, writing and starring and 
doing all these things. She's everywhere on social media. She's just basically every year she has a handful of projects that come out. So we talk about her all the time. But I think that's the main and maybe the only reason why this movie is as sentimental, I guess, for Mm -hmm. a lot of people in our generation. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. And you mentioned earlier Patrick Dempsey pre Grey's Anatomy, like maybe he has some pull too. I didn't, I don't really follow a lot of his projects, but he was on Grey's Anatomy for a few years. Maybe that also kind of was a reason why people were brought back into this movie. And now that we're on the topic of these actors, Josh Lucas, who plays Jake, I had never seen him before. Yeah. I think this was the first movie of his that I saw. And yeah, I think he plays a great foil to Andrew, who is um, Patrick Dempsey's character. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think maybe like the love triangle, the actors are are good. But again, maybe we just chalk it up to Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. General themes this movie covers. I will share one to kick it off is that there's this continuous theme of how it's hard to come to terms with one's past. I think that's basically Melanie's story arc is that she hasn't been home in seven years and she hasn't, I guess, seen her parents for seven years, which is kind of wild. That blows my mind also. And (laughs) yeah, kind of side note. So when they, you know, they, Andrew and Melanie get engaged and they're in the limo and he's like, Oh, let's call your parents. You know, I should meet them at some point. Mm -hmm. If you were dating somebody, would it be a red flag to you that they haven't seen their family in seven years? Yes, that is a great red flag that you just called out. <laughs> yes, agree. I didn't even think of that, but yes, absolutely. Yeah, or, you know, and I think it's different if they would explain, you know, I have some trauma with my family or here's reasons why, but she doesn't. She just doesn't see them. And I think that's kind of, if I was dating somebody and they did that, I mm-hmm. would I would be a little concerned. Yeah, that is a great WTF moment, by the way. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Yeah, and I think, Melanie, you know, maybe all of us at some point have tried to just move on and reinvent ourselves in a totally different environment, being like, I've left that old me behind. This is me starting fresh. I think that there's something to be said about that. I think a lot of people do try to do that. Mm -hmm. But I think to this movie's point is that it's hard to do that. It's hard to just kind of disappear and start over because at some point or another, your past will come back and bite you in the ass, especially if it's, <laughs> you know, you haven't been honest about your past. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was, you know, the, the most glaring theme of the movie to me. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, I think it brings up the question of should you try to do that? You know, should you ever try to escape your past or do you use it to kind of help propel you to whatever your future is, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think Jake sums it up really well in that scene when they're in the dog cemetery and he says you can have roots and wings, Mm. which coincidentally was a theme one year at the camp that you and I grew up going to, Tiny American Foundation. So... When he said that, it kind of also brought back that memory for me and I think kicked up this other theme of how do you honor and celebrate your history and your heritage and incorporate that into your identity Mm -hmm. and and going forward, Mm -hmm. you know, which I think is important to do for everybody. 
Yeah. Uh, no, that's a really great point. For Melanie, I think she just wanted wings. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't put the two and two together. She just left the South as fast as she could. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to come to that moment, I think, to reconcile having those roots and wings. So mm-hmm. I think that Melanie gets to kind of discover the fact that, yeah, she can be proud and be from the South, but also be in New York and have this fast-paced fashion career. And I think that there's ways to reconcile roots and wings, for sure. Yeah. It's a journey for a lot of people, and I guess that this was Melanie's journey. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Do you have any favorite scenes? I have a few favorites. Okay. I'm going to go out of order, but I really loved at the wedding scene at the end when the mayor is insulting Melanie's mom, basically, and saying, you know, go back to your double wide and fry something. And then Melanie punches her in the face. I <laughs> Not glorifying violence, but I just found that very satisfying because, mm-hmm. you know, this... I can't even remember her name. The mayor has been so condescending and rude throughout the whole movie to Melanie. And I think early on, Melanie allows her to make her feel kind of inferior or ashamed. Um, But then in the end, her punching her in the face is kind of reclaiming her pride in her family and saying, you know, nobody talks to my mama like that. Right. So I loved that. Yeah. I really liked Melanie and Jake's conversation in the dog cemetery you know when they're talking about I think it it gives a little more detail into how their marriage fell apart and why she left so suddenly for Mm -hmm. New York you know to your point about losing the baby and stuff like that I thought that was just a really nice conversation and kind of builds out their history a little bit more Mm -hmm. and then I also thought the scene where Melanie is introducing Andrew to her parents. I thought that was really sweet, Mm. you know, because she thought that it was over, it was ruined. And before she had been really embarrassed, I think, of her family and her history. And then you get to see her be a little bit proud and say, you know, my mom makes the best jam in three counties. And Mm -hmm. I think it was really sweet. Yeah. Now that you mention it just now, I really liked that scene in particular. It's also, I think, the way Reese plays it out. She's, you could tell, like, she's more demure. She's, like, proud, but also a little, like, okay, this is my moment to tell my truth. This Mm -hmm. is where I'm from. These are my parents. You know, I don't live on some glorious estate. I live in, like, a glorified trailer park home. And Mm -hmm. this, this is okay. This is where I'm from. So as I was kind of recounting the movie, I, I wrote down, there are actually no favorite scenes that stick out to me. Oh, no. <laughs> Which is probably why I gave it a 6.2. <laughs> I struggled. I was like sitting there. I was like, I don't actually like there are some memorable scenes, but I don't know if any are my favorite scenes. So I kind mm-hmm. of resorted to like in the 18 years that have gone by, I guess that Tiffany engagement scene. I know it's so cliche and so like it's become iconic with this movie, obviously. But I was like, oh, that's is this what proposals are like? I really think I had it in my mind that like my eventual proposal would just be so grand and so over the top. Uh huh. But that clearly, no, that did not happen for me. But it's, yeah. And that's, I like it better that way, to be honest. But I think that scene was just like, whoa, it was like crazy. That's the only scene that stuck out I to me. I have a question about that. Would you want to pick out your own engagement ring? 
Um, huh, that's a good question. If I were Melanie, well, let's, I don't know. I think there's a lot of, I guess, follow-up questions I have to that. Do I have a budget? Like, can I pick any ring? Right. See, that's, <laughs> that was my first thought of, okay, you're in Tiffany, so clearly there's a high budget, right? Yeah. But I would feel kind of weird about being like, you know, is this one too expensive? Mm. Or, I don't know. I think it would just feel really awkward. And then... I don't know. I think there's something about your partner, like putting in the time and effort to choose something that he thinks you would like or, you know, represents, you know, that he chose this to give to you. Right. No, that's a good question. So that also brings up another question to me. So to answer your question first is to say, maybe I would want to choose my (laughs) ring just because I would feel very, to your point, strange. Like, is this too much? Right. Is this hurting your wallet too much? Or but if you're giving me free reign, I'm going to pick my dream ring. Right. right. So that's your problem for not doing <laughs> the due diligence and picking out a ring for me. Because if you're giving me the option to pick my ring, then maybe I won't be shy. Right. I don't know. I've never I been think. in that situation. I can't play I it never out in have my head. <laughs> I also have no idea what rings cost. So Mm. I'm I'm just not educated on that front. So I feel like I would accidentally choose one that's like absurd. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I was going to say like after rewatching it, that engagement scene, it seems incredibly awkward to be in the room. Like if you're a sales associate and you're like, right. why am I watching this happen? Right. And you can kind of see that on some of their faces when she's like, are you sure Right, and, right. You know, and Andrew looks around like, oh, God. And some of them yeah. kind of look at the ground. Some of them, you know, are kind of shifting. I would be like, oh, oh, shit. What if she says no? Right, right. Well, so I like that Melanie's initial reaction is, are you sure? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that kind of breaks the romance in the moment. But I think that's kind of a realistic moment. It's like, we've only been together for, I forget what the time is, like six or eight months or something like yeah, that. Yeah, a really short time in my opinion. Right. Same. But so like my follow-up question to this whole uh, engagement scene is that like, and I wanted to ask you this question is, do you think that people get engaged without talking about it beforehand? Like Melanie is, they clearly, it doesn't seem like they've talked about it. Melanie is shocked and surprised that he is proposing. And I couldn't help but wonder. Um, I'm trying to think. I've, everybody that I know who has gotten engaged, myself included, I feel like have talked about it in some form or fashion, not so specifically of, yes, I would like to get engaged, you know, but talking right. about your future together and and things like that. But I don't know, you see all those videos online of, you know, proposals that go viral, and it <laughs> seems to be truly a surprise. Yeah. So same with me. I think maybe you and I maybe just kind of run in the same kinds of social circles where we're like our friends are like no we we like to plan things out we like to talk things out like I want to know what my future looks like I don't think I know anyone in my immediate circle who's like oh my boyfriend proposed and I guess we're getting married yeah I don't I don't either but maybe that's just like you said because of the kind of people that we are (laughs) the kind of people that we are friends with but I don't know that it's totally out of the blue for her because remember earlier in the movie she's talking to her friend the model who says something you know she was like he asked me to go to Ireland for Christmas 
And her friend says, I think he's mm. going to ask you a lot more than that. So maybe it's on the radar, but maybe they haven't talked about it necessarily. Right. No, no, no. Yeah, I totally forgot about that scene. You're right. Thanks for calling that out. <laughs> but I mean, I guess to answer my own questions, like, yeah, I guess there must be people who, who do do this. And I think that this movie and, you know, rom-coms in general, they glorify the the shock and awe and like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And mm -hmm. like, let's just decide to spend the rest of our lives together after not ever having talked about it, which is beyond me because yeah. I want to talk about things to the point where I totally understand why and where you're coming from. So yeah. Oh my gosh. So you saying that made me remember I think people do totally surprise people because one, when I was studying abroad in college, I was in Greece and we were on this like historical field trip to the Acropolis and we're walking around and then we see this guy get down on one knee and he's proposing and we're like, wow, you know, the backdrop of the Acropolis, like this is so cool. But the girl did not look like she was going to say yes. She had this look on her face like, oh no. <laughs> and I don't think she answered him. I think she said something like, can we talk about this no. privately or something? And there's this whole crowd around. And I just remember being so like secondhand embarrassed, like so mortified for this guy that I couldn't even stick around to see the resolution. I was like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. This is like, I'm watching something not happy happening right yeah, now. Yeah. I, I should not be seeing this. So I think people do totally, you know, do surprise yeah. proposals and, and not talk about it. Yeah. I wonder if it's a certain type of man. Maybe. I'm starting to realize like maybe this pattern of like, Men who just are very, I mean, I'm overgeneralizing, obviously, but maybe these certain types of men who do these very public declarations and mm -hmm. engagements, they are just so confident. They have mm -hmm. not thought of the alternative scenario. It's like, of yeah, course you would say yes. Of course, yeah. like, you know, everyone's watching us. And like, maybe these are the kinds of men who just haven't really thought things through. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Or who have never been told no before. You know, like at the wedding, when she breaks up with Andrew, his response, which by mm. the way, this is a WTF moment for me of who would yes. react like this to getting dumped at the altar. But all he says is, oh, so that's what this feels like. Mm. <laughs> what, what is that? Number one. Yeah, you know? yeah. But number two, that makes it very clear. Oh, he's never had his heart broken. He's never had somebody say no to him. So maybe there's something to your theory. Yeah. I just came up with that on the spot because you were talking about that. I'm like trying to put a pattern together, but I guess we'll never know unless <laughs> someone shares that story with me personally. Yeah. So, Well, hey, anybody listening, <laughs> if you've ever received a surprise proposal or proposed without talking about it, let us know. I would love to hear your story. I would love to. I would love to talk <laughs> about it. Please do. Um, so yeah, let's let's dive more into WTF moments. That's a great one about Andrew being like, oh, that's what that feels like. Yeah, that whole scene kind of was like, there's no way Andrew would react that way. Yeah. And then just a broader sense from Andrew, like, I think he's kind of a doof just being like... <laughs> He had no idea that she was married. And then once he finds out that she is married, he's like, I don't, I mean, some might think of it as a very romantic gesture being like, I don't care about your past, you know, as long like, do I have a place in your future? 
mm-hmm. which is great. But at the same time, like we're just going to gloss over this huge secret that she didn't tell you. Right. And you pretended to have this whole other identity. Like you didn't even tell me your real name. Right. That's kind of messed up. I wonder if Andrew is just someone who just is just checking things off a list. You know, like if I mm. want to run for office, I have to be married. And Melanie mm. on paper looks like, you know, a great partner. She's successful. She's beautiful. And yeah, check, check. I don't know. He seems he seems like he really loves her, defending her to his mom and all this stuff. So yeah, I did like that. I did like the fact that he defended her to his mom. Mm-hmm. Although some of it, now that I'm thinking about it, some of it is like, is he just dating her to piss off his mom? Right. You know, because when he is talking to his friend or something about, you should have seen the look on my mom's face and, you know, it'll really piss off my mom to get married in Alabama instead Mm. of the the plaza. So. He's just low-key passive aggressive. (laughs) Yeah, he's just kind of low-key has some issues. Right. No, that's, that's interesting. I think that those thoughts definitely crossed my mind too. Just a small WTF moment is when, so Mayor Kate's assistant, whose name is Barry Lowenstein, he goes down to Alabama to pretend to be a New York Post reporter, I think. Mm -hmm. But my initial knee-jerk moment was like, doesn't Melanie know who he is in New York? Yes. Like, wouldn't she recognize him? (laughs) Yes. He is around all the time, you know, at all of these events. So you would think that she would recognize him. Yeah. That was one moment. I was just like, that's a kind of a plot hole there. Mm-hmm. One WTF moment that I thought of is, do you really think her divorce lawyer would not have been able to get in touch with her before the moment she's walking down the aisle? Mm. Like, how is it possible he hasn't sent her an email, left her a voicemail, right. called her cell phone a hundred times? Yeah. I I found maybe it was because it was 2002 and maybe we weren't as attached to our cell phones at that time. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't know, but I thought that was really strange. Yeah. I think to your point, I think maybe it just added more drama, dramatic flair for the movie itself. Mm-hmm. But it, I also felt like the lawyer just being like, can't you just shout out that I'm her lawyer and right. this is something incredibly urgent. I kind of felt bad for him. That one scene where he walks into like a diner and like the townsfolk kind of think he's a reporter. So they just kind Mm -hmm. of shove him aside. And I was like, oh, this poor old little man. Well, he gets straight up tackled (laughs) at the wedding. I'm like, he seems very frail. He has like a cane, doesn't he? (laughs) I I don't even know. (laughs) I think so. Maybe. So for, you know, a security guy to straight up tackle him to the ground felt a little excessive right and right. you know perhaps he would be a little more injured than he was right right that's so funny that poor little attorney i know mr buford mr buford <laughs> um maybe you can kind of connect the dots for me about melanie's mom mm-hmm. i'm kind of confused about where she stands because and i realize that a lot of people have can have conflicting feelings and emotions So Melanie's mom is upset that Melanie hasn't come back to visit. And Melanie's mom in return has not gone to New York to visit. Mm -hmm. Melanie's mom is, I think, so this is where I'm a little confused, is that does she want to be with Jake at a certain point in the movie? She's like, that boy still has eyes for you. But then at the end, Melanie's mom is like, marry Andrew. You just have cold feet. He can give you a life better than mine. 
But then there were also other moments when I just felt like Melanie's mom was tugging Melanie to be like, you know, this is your home and Jake has been here for you all this time. Hmm. I don't know if I just maybe wasn't paying fully attention or something. I missed something, but I just kind of felt like she flipped flopped a lot. And I realized that, you know, maybe that's just who she is. Mm -hmm. So my interpretation of that was the mom was always like, I want you to get out of Alabama. You know, she put her in all these beauty pageants. She wanted her to do all these things and not have her life and her, the mom, she didn't want her to have her life. She wanted her to have more. Mm -hmm. And so I, Felt like she always was like, not Jake, go with Andrew, do something else, do something bigger, better. Whereas the dad felt more to me like he was pro Jake. Because yeah. when Melanie first comes home from jail, he's like, you know, Jake's going places. And the mom says, once upon a time, you were going places too. So I, I kind of think that the mom, and she says it in the end that I just want you to have a better life. So yeah. I think she was always, maybe her line about, he still has eyes for you and things were kind of a warning of stay away. You know, he still loves you. So you need to go do your thing. Yeah, that makes sense. You're right. Melanie's dad was definitely more like trying to encourage her to work things out with Jake. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I can move on from that now. <laughs> so actually I have two things that are not necessarily WTF moments, but random things that I was curious about and did kind of a deep dive to research. Mm -hmm. So number one, is that really what happens when lightning strikes sand? Mm. You know, does it really make this cool sculptural thing? So I did some research and according to discovery.com, sort of, but not really. <laughs> okay. So when lightning strikes sand, it creates something called a fulgurite, fulgurite, okay. ful fulgurite, which is a hollow glass lined tube with a sandy outside. Huh. But it has to be very specific conditions. The sand has to be high in silica or quartz. And I did not go so far as to research whether the sand in Alabama is high in silica or quartz. But that has to be true. And also the temperature has to go beyond 1800 degrees Celsius. Oh, wow. So it does create something when it strikes the sand, but it doesn't look like what they show in the movie. It says it looks more like rocky tubes, and they're typically pretty short, like a couple couple inches. Hmm. So that was kind of disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> Ten steps more on researching that than I did, so props <laughs> to you. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I did find myself wondering, like, is this really what happens? But I guess I didn't right. have the bandwidth to actually look into it. Right. Well, don't worry, Michelle. I did. <laughs> and then my second thing that I researched was WTF is baloney cake. Right. So when Melanie tells her parents that she's engaged and her dad, you know, says, get the baloney cake out the icebox. I was like, what is baloney cake? <laughs> oh, boy. So are you ready? I'm ready. So there appears to be a few different recipes floating around the internet. But essentially, bologna cake, it looks like a layered birthday cake, but it's oh. layers of, um, of bologna, uh -huh. whipped cream cheese, oh. American cheese, no. and then, you know, some varieties have Ritz crackers, some have white bread, some have, you know, things like onions, olives, um, and then you... Ice the whole thing in cream cheese. Ugh. 
Yeah. No. So it's not necessarily something that I would eat or, you know, be excited to try. But, you know, I I appreciate that perhaps <laughs> in other cultures, uh-huh. other than Taiwanese American culture, that perhaps that is a, you know, delicious dish. Um, yeah, there, sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to text you some pictures because it was truly disturbing to me. Oh my gosh. I mean, so as someone who grew up in the Midwest, I'm not, you know, I'm quite familiar with bologna. I Same. appreciated a bologna sandwich here and again growing up, you know, having had that lunch in like elementary school, but. Totally. I, just the words bologna cake is right. not exciting. No. Oh, no. Yeah. I. Yeah. At first I thought, I thought maybe is it like a meatloaf type thing where, you know, it's kind of ground meat formed into the shape of a cake. But no, it looks like it's literally a cake made Ugh. of bologna. Yikes. It kind of reminded, no shade to anyone who eats bologna cake, but yeah. it kind of reminded me of that scene in How I Met Your Mother. Did you watch that show? Not really, unfortunately, but please describe Okay, so the, so in How I Met Your Mother, Lily goes home to Minnesota to meet Marshall's family, and they make this salad that has, like, mayonnaise, funyuns, gummy bears, what? you know, obvi- clearly not a salad. Right. And, um, but it just reminded me of, of that scene, and it really made me laugh. So that's yeah. something I did a deep dive into. <laughs> I'm so glad you did. <laughs> My eyes have been opened to bologna cake. <laughs> I did. I think there was something on the IMDb trivia, like someone, the, shoot, I didn't write this one down. I was just like kind of grossed out by the concept of it. But like, I think someone on the production team actually had been served a bologna cake. So that's kind of oh, how wow. they threw in the idea of a bologna cake. Ugh, I'm sorry. Am, am I just being totally disrespectful of bologna cake? I realize that it's a real thing, but it's not <laughs> something that you know, was part of my repertoire growing up, but okay. Right. right. But, you know, to be fair, you and I in our Taiwanese families probably also ate things that other people would not like to eat. A hundred percent. Are very delicious. So yes. Yeah. To each their own. To each their own. Good for you. Not for me. <laughs> yes. Let's move on to the ending. Mm-hmm. Do you have thoughts about it? Did you like it? I did like it because, you know, it's a happy ending, mm-hmm. positive resolution. I like that they get back together and that it appears that they do have roots and wings. They go to New York and Jake opens a store there and they have a family, but also seems like maybe they also spend time in Alabama. Mm-hmm. I also thought it was really cute how all their friends, you know, got together to throw them a reception at the bar kind of last minute. Yeah. But... I don't know. I just, it is a rom-com. So of course, easy ending wrapped up in a bow Mm -hmm. makes sense. But I don't know that I could leave my wedding to one person Mm. and immediately turn around and have a wedding reception to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Although if I've been married to that person this whole time, then maybe, I don't know. Yeah. No, I had the exact same thought cross my mind too. Like, is that, it's kind of callous like literally the same night that you thought that you were going to marry somebody else yeah you're just so easily removed from that person already and be like no I'm gonna I'm gonna celebrate this other love that I've had that right I guess I didn't realize I had 
Yeah. It's like such a nitpick, but I was like, Melanie wears the same dress that she would have married Andrew in, and then also to the same party with Jake. I was like, she yeah. doesn't even want to change her clothes. Like, and I don't, I don't <laughs> think she even gave her ring back to Andrew. <laughs> oh right, that huge ass Tiffany ring, that yeah. honking ring. Yeah, I mean, agree. I think like the ending is neatly wrapped up in a bow. I do kind of like that they showed their life in the future. Like they have a daughter who seems like you know she's a toddler, and Andrew marries a Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Um, which actually, through my research of the movie, is an entire subplot that got removed yes. from the final cut. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. I semi-remember that from the deleted scenes from the DVD. I don't remember exactly what happened, but I do know that he and Aaron Vanderbilt like meet earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. Did you come across the details in your research? Yeah, so I actually looked it up on YouTube, which I... <laughs> All of a sudden, I was like, oh, all these deleted scenes might actually be on YouTube. <laughs> so the Vanderbilt, her name is Erin, I think, Erin Vanderbilt. She mm-hmm. actually is an intern for Melanie in New York. Ooh. But no one knows she's a Vanderbilt. Ooh. She kind of plays it like I'm just Erin trying to make it into fashion. So she's the opposite of Melanie. Yeah. So she's incredibly attractive. She's a little bit younger. And I think that like she and Andrew kind of have this flirtation thing going on. Mm. I couldn't tell from the scenes if she was trying to like seduce him, but you could tell that like Andrew was kind of like, he had a a little bit of a wandering eye. Mm. And then he, she actually is invited to the wedding and Andrew introduces Aaron to his mayor mom. And she's like, what's your name? And she's like, Aaron Vanderbilt. And that's Mm. when Andrew is also like, oh, she's a Vanderbilt. And Mayor Mom was like, okay, yes, she needs to be the woman for you. Hmm. And even Andrew gets a little closure and his story is also wrapped up in a nice bow. Yeah. I'm glad they cut that subplot because I think think they needed Andrew to be Mm -hmm. just unquestionable why Melanie would be so torn, right? And so I I think if we had seen him kind of flirting with her in turn, you know, which feels very shady to me (laughs) or you know being so excited that she's a Vanderbilt I think that would have taken away from his character so I think they made the right call there yeah I 100% agree did you actually find the characters likable or relatable I think so you know I think most were likable Mayor Kate definitely was not um (laughs) But I really liked all of her friends in Alabama. I thought they were really sweet and, you know, seemed happy with their lives, even though they were very different from what Melanie wanted her life to be. I think they all seemed really happy. And, you know, I think it's kind of cute to have friends that last your whole life. And it's clear they have so much history together. You know, their friend Wade has become the sheriff. Uh, I thought... Their reunion scene when Jake calls the sheriff on Melanie when she breaks into his house. Mm -hmm. I thought their reunion was really cute. Yeah. yeah. So I thought most of them were super likable. There's definitely times when Melanie was not likable to me, but that was part of her whole arc in realizing, you know, like, oh, I'm not better than these people. And she kind of makes amends with everybody. Right. Agree. Do you have a favorite character? Hmm. I think Bobby Ray. 
Mm-hmm. I think he has some funny moments, and he's a really good friend to Melanie. Even though she outs him and does this terrible thing to him, he still forgives her and has her back when Barry comes to the plantation and pretends to be her cousin, and I think he's my favorite. What about you? Bobby Ray, too. Bobby Ray's my favorite, basically for the exact same reasons you said, that he's a good mm-hmm. friend. He also calls her out on Melanie's shit because I don't think Mm -hmm. besides Jake no one else really does that and sometimes when it's the person closest to you you kind of don't receive that information Mm. you know what I mean but if it's like someone else who's kind of saying those same criticisms you might want to take that more to heart Mm -hmm. yeah so Bobby's like he sticks with her even though he's upset with her he forgives her he's just the much bigger person And he, yeah, he even helps her, like, keep up with the lie that she's a Carmichael living on the plantation. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ethan Embry. What a gem. Do you watch Grace and Frankie on Netflix? No, but I heard it's really good. It's a really good show. I highly recommend if you are an Ethan Embry fan. He plays one of the kids on that show. He's just, yeah, all around a great show. So, question for you. Do you think Melanie and Jake stay together this time around? I think so. I think, you know, they have so much history and stuff that they have worked through to get to this point. And they have a family, although that's not a guarantee. But I think they are like really in it this time and really committed to making it work. Yeah, I think so too. I, in my research of the movie, I saw this interview with Josh Lucas and Josh was saying something like, oh yeah, I'd be totally down to film A Sweet Home Alabama too. And he said that he envisioned the story being like, I think they actually separate. And I mean, this is him trying to pitch another movie. So it's another like paycheck for him. So you need to have conflict if you're going to have a second movie. But his idea for the second movie was that they are separated, but then the second movie is about them coming again back together. Hmm. Maybe that they are just destined for each other, no matter how hard or how much that they just can't stand each other they also deep down love each other interesting so we'll see if that actually plays out i also saw that reese weatherspoon said that she would be down to film another one but i also don't think i need sweet home alabama part two yeah i agree i feel satisfied with just one installment (laughs) okay so maybe we've alluded to this already but do you think this movie has aged well (laughs) i think For the most part, it has aged well. You know, I definitely had a reaction to seeing some Confederate flags, you know, like on the throw pillows in Melanie's home. And then the reenactment of the battles and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I understand for some people it's honoring history and maybe remembering ancestors and, and things that they did. But I think especially in light of current times, and everything going on in the country right now, and, you know, we're in the midst of this uprising for racial equality, and there's this movement to tear down Confederate statues, I definitely had a reaction Mm -hmm. to seeing that, that I didn't, you know, in 2002, and I think part of it is because of current events, part of it is just I'm a lot older now, and I think more aware of history and, you know, things that happened, so... I think that piece did not necessarily age well. Right. Yeah, I agree. I wrote down the exact same thing. I mean, we don't need to get too deep into this because 
you know, we're not here to kind of unpack the idea of battle reenactments, but, you know, that happened in the movie. That's something that I don't know if that would be included in if it were, if this movie was made in 2020. Yeah. But at least they're depicted surrendering, right? It's not a victory. (laughs) Right. No, that's a really good point. I think definitely that's a good point. I did notice that upon rewatch as well. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, agree that there's kind of the message is pretty evergreen. But I, I hope that if they ever do make Sweet Home Alabama Part Two, that I don't know, maybe it's their life in New York or something like that. Yeah. Well, on a lighter note, I did enjoy watching some of the the styles and mm. how they have aged. So, <laughs> like Reese Witherspoon's flippy little bob haircut. I remember at the time being like, oh my gosh, that is so cute. And now it feels kind of dated. And then some things like her boot cut jeans or, you know, that knit poncho that she wears. Uh, It's like a turquoise poncho. Loved that. Yeah, yeah. I think in one scene, her sunglasses are, remember when it was cool to have those sunglasses that were like little square lenses that were, you know, tinted glass and there really were no frames. It was just, yes. you know, those little sunglasses. So that kind of made me chuckle. Yeah, that's been really fun kind of revisiting a lot of these movies is just the fashion. Mm-hmm. That kind of also is just like, oh my gosh, I totally remember. You're kind of just immediately brought back and you're like, ah. Oh. Remember that? Remember that? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that was a thing. Right. So that's kind of been weirdly comforting in a way, just making me remember, oh, how far we've come in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And what are we going to think 18 years from now looking at what we're wearing today? Yeah. I mean, the cycle of fashion, I really do think it comes back every 20 years. Oh, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see movies made about 2020, 20, 20 years from now. Yeah. I mean, tie-dye's coming back. I know you love (laughs) tie-dye. I I do. It's everywhere. So who knows what we'll be wearing. Yeah. No, I know. You're right. Yes. I'm obsessed with tie-dyeing right now. I run out of things to tie-dye, so that's on hold. The only other two points of trivia that I thought were a little bit interesting was that this movie was the first film allowed to film in New York after 9-11. I do think that the New York scenes weren't that many but you know the tiffany scene obviously so tiffany's this is the first time that they've allowed anybody filming inside other than the movie breakfast at tiffany's which was filmed in 1961 oh so they hold their store very tightly those were two slightly interesting points of trivia (laughs) Mm -hmm. do you have any other takes of the movie or other notes I don't think so. I think overall it is a good movie. Is it something that I would watch over and over again? No. But, you know, if I happened to turn on the TV and it was on, I think I would watch for a little bit. Yeah. I do feel like this movie is played a lot on TV, which further proves the point that people really like this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. I think we should stand by our original ratings, your seven and my 6.2. I think we kind of have (laughs) met in the middle a little bit, like Mm -hmm. some concessions here and there. And you've helped me realize there are some interesting points that I didn't totally catch upon the rewatch. But yeah, I think it goes down easy. Reese Witherspoon, I think, again, to hammer my point home, this is she's the one who makes this movie. Mm -hmm. Without her, I don't think that this movie has staying power. Just one other note is that 
baby Dakota Fanning plays oh, yeah. young Reese Witherspoon. I forgot. She's so young. Oh my gosh, she's so little. She's so little. She's supposed to be 10. I think that like young uh, Melanie and Jake are supposed to be 10 years old, but Dakota Fanning looks like she's five. She yeah. looks so young in this movie. She looks so young that it actually made me a little uncomfortable that they were kissing. Mm, yeah, same. In that scene. I was like, this feels weird, but it's feels... kind of cute. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I feel so conflicted. How am I supposed to feel? Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting. I know she's, you know, I don't really watch her work. She's on this TV show right now, but I haven't really seen her. But I, I just was like brought back. I was like, oh my gosh, it's Dakota Fanning. Yeah. Was this in her like heyday with, what was her movie with Brittany Murphy where Brittany Murphy was her oh. nanny? Uptown Girls. Uptown Girls. And she was in a ton of movies around this time, wasn't she? Yeah. She was like the go-to young, precocious girl. Yeah. She did I Am Sam, the yes. movie with Sean Penn, I think yes. before this movie. And then this kind of was maybe just like a super, super small part for yeah. her. Didn't she do one with Denzel Washington, like Man on Fire or something? Something like that. Probably It sounds right. Yeah. But anyways, she killed it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my other question, I guess, was do you think that Jake was ever going to tell Melanie about his glass blowing business? Hmm. Because she finds out by accident. Yeah. Like, no one tells her. Everyone is super tight-lipped, like, purposefully tight-lipped about it. So when she goes, physically goes there, it's their grand opening weekend. So I wonder if maybe after he launches and kind of gets it up and running, if he was Mm. going to go tell her. But then, at the same time, I'm a little confused because it would seem that he knew about Andrew, that she was dating somebody because it's like all over the internet and Bobby Ray knew because he they have that scene where he says like, I know all about the cocks in your hen house, <laughs> which was a hilarious line to me. So, you know, I feel like he maybe knew that she was in a relationship, mm-hmm. but still would have told her. I don't know, because... Their other friend said he's been trying to conquer the world because he knew that he needed to to get you back. Yeah. So I think maybe he did plan to tell her, but I don't know when. Maybe that's another plot hole. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I do also kind of think a little bit about Jake, where he's coming from, about having to conquer the world before he tries to win her back or as a tool to win her back. So I don't know. I, I just kind of thought a little bit about that. It's like, yeah, I wonder if a lot of people feel that way, if they feel like they're not worthy of the other person. So they have to kind of prove themselves that they're worth it. So, you know, I think Jake is doing the best he can. Yeah. To your point, maybe he just wanted to launch and have the grand opening and then be like, see, this is, this is what I've been up to. This is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm really good at it. Yeah. I just couldn't help but wonder. I was like, was no one going to tell her? She just happened to find out on her own like she just saw a poster in the airport to be like oh I want to check that out and then it just happened to be Jake's business yeah I don't know but it seems like everybody knows about it because her dad has that line about you know he's really going places Mm -hmm. yeah yeah if it were my dad I would be like what do you mean tell me I think dad would tell her what Jake is up to versus trying to keep this a secret from his daughter too yeah 
my dad can't keep a secret to save his life. So the <laughs> second he found out, he would have called me and been like, check this out. Right, right. But to your point, like Melanie's dad, I think, and Melanie also says this, like, I'm sorry, Jake is the son you never had. So maybe mm-hmm. he feels this kind of protection over Jake too at the mm-hmm. same time. Yeah, true. I forgot. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think we covered everything. Yeah. Well, this was fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for doing this. And maybe we'll do another one. I know you, you mentioned a few other movies that you might be interested in. So I really hope that you join me again. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Romcom Weekly. You can check us out on Instagram at Romcom Weekly and we'll catch up with you again next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.